This is your Start Sits Part 1. I am with Stompy at FF Stompy. Stompy, say hello to the beautiful listeners. Hello to the beautiful listeners. Yes, only to the beautiful ones. The ugly ones don't get a hello. I'm sorry. Yeah, get out of here. You gross yeah. people. You gross people. That's why eugenics exist. Wow. That, God that, damn. That went dark. <laughs> Woo! I've been, listen- I've been listening to a podcast called The Dollop, and they... I listened to one today that they were talking about like eugenics. So that's on my mind right now. So I apologize. <laughs> it's it's okay because all of our listeners are beautiful. We don't have any of those, those types of people around here. So, so we're good. We said hello to everybody that's listening. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, so we're fine. So Stompy, before we get rolling, I want to let everybody know about another great podcast that they can find the trade addicts podcast every week. Host Russ Fisher and Brian Haar examine news and action from the NFL and work it in all the actionable dynasty trade advice. We will review, uh, they will review trades and examine player values and situations. You can find the Trade Addicts podcast uh, at Podbean, Stitcher, iTunes, and at DynastyLeagueFootball.com on the DLF family of podcasts. You can subscribe to them and all the other great podcasts on there as well. So Stompy, let's get rolling here, man. We got our uh, our 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 start sits, and and before we get too far, um, I I actually want to bring in Ethan. Uh, I'm gonna do a little back and forth with Ethan on the injuries, and we're gonna kind of get those updated so that way we can make our uh, our picks here a little bit more informed. So Stompy, give me one second while I go ahead and do some injuries with Ethan. All right. Injuries here uh, for for this first slate of games. So, Devontae Adams. Uh, it sounded like it was turf toe. Um, I, I, we've had some conflicting reports. Some people saying, "Ah, don't worry about it," and other people saying, hey, "This could be significant." What's going on with Devontae Adams? What do we expect from him? So he is dealing with some turf toe. Um, at least that's what that's what all of the reports are saying that it's it's turf toe. Turf toe is really just a fancy word for a sprained big toe. Um, a lot of people don't really understand how that injury works. It's basically the ligaments underneath the big toe, um, that are sprained. So it gets hyperextended up and then, um, it sprains it very common with wide receivers because they're planning and then pushing, um, really hyperextends that, that big toe. Uh, the problem is, is that it's not one of those things that tends to get better very quickly. Um, he is doing some light jogging based on reports, so that's a good sign. That means at least he, it's not hurting him to to do some of that jogging. But, it's uh, again, that's not really what we're worried about with this. It's more of the plant and, and go. And that's uh, this is the injury that took uh, A.J. Green out last year. And, again, he missed a couple weeks, tried to return. And as soon as he tried to do anything that was basically taking his foot back and planning it hard to take off, um, that's when he actually re-injured it to the point where he needed surgery and he missed the rest of the season. So it's a serious injury. The question is, is how cautious are they going to be with Adams? Uh, I don't expect them to uh, play him this Sunday. Uh, if he does somehow play, uh, again, he's going to be limited from that explosion perspective, getting off the line quickly. So um, you have to play him if he plays, but I really don't expect them to put him out there this week, knowing that the risk is him missing a big chunk of the season if they don't uh, tread lightly with this. It's going to be interesting to see how this Packers offense looks with a lot of the young receivers that they have having to play a bigger role in the passing game. We've seen um, MVS kind of step up this this year so far opposite Devontae Adams, but not having Devontae Adams out on the field is going to – 
you know, it'll be something to see who steps up and uh, and what the roles are for these guys moving forward. So very interesting news, uh, something to to keep an eye on there. What about Jarvis Landry? I know that he, uh, he, he was in the concussion protocol. Has he cleared that? Are we expecting him to play or is he going to be out? What, what, what are we hearing there, Ethan? So as of Thursday night, he actually has not cleared the concussion protocol yet. So this is one where you got to kind of wait and see. Um, with concussions, you know, it, it, it's hard with guys that haven't had a ton of them to really gauge how long they're going to miss. Everyone is different as far as concussions go. So it's really a wait and see game. As of Thursday night, he hasn't cleared. That doesn't mean that he can't clear by Saturday. Um, it's one where you're probably going to have to just look for the news. Uh, again, follow me on Twitter at Turner. FF underscore PT. I'm going to try to update some of these these uh, injuries this week, especially where it really is going to depend a lot on that Friday practice schedule and, of course, the news that comes out on Saturday. So um, that's sadly I can't give you a for sure answer. Um, I I would say if you if you put me to the fire right now, I would expect him to to miss Sunday's game um, if no news is out by Saturday. Yeah, you always do a fantastic job of keeping us updated on Twitter. So I definitely recommend everyone follow Ethan on Twitter at uh, eTurnerFF underscore PT, um, following him there and, and making sure that you're uh, you're paying attention because anybody that's going to be a game time decision, Ethan's going to have the scoop on. So that's always good. And and Jarvis Landry, man, kind of a bummer. He really had his first breakout game as a Cleveland Brown this season. And you know, then the injury kind of happens. So um, we'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll see kind of what happens with that and how that uh, how that goes. Now, uh, the next guy I want to get to is T.J. Hawkinson. This is an interesting injury. He went down. It, it didn't look good. Uh, the the Lions have a bye this week, so uh, they they have some extra time to try to get him healthy. What is that injury? How long is it going to take? And what can we expect moving forward with Hawkinson? Well, Hawkinson is dealing with kind of a few different issues. He's obviously in the concussion protocol. If you watch the video, uh, he basically tries to hurdle a defender and then gets the defender isn't fooled by this, um, which I'm not surprised. Hawkinson is a pretty big dude. He doesn't get off his feet very quickly, but um, basically the defender tackles him um, and he kind of upends him onto his head. It's a pretty dangerous play. It's a pretty textbook play if you coach high school or JFL. Uh, junior football um, on why you should not hurdle because things like this can happen. But basically Hawkinson gets flipped over on his, on his head, comes down pretty hard on that neck uh, and head region. He's listed with a concussion and a shoulder injury right now. Um, however, reports are that the team was kind of mulling um, an IR designation with him, which tells me that uh, this is a pretty serious uh combination of injuries whether it's his neck his shoulder or the concussion um, the team is definitely concerned the fact that that was uh, listed as something they were deciding on uh, ultimately they chose not to put him on the IR which is which is good but it's not a good sign that they were considering it so that means we're talking a multi-week injury I'm going to guess right now just based on the limited data that I have a little bit limited info that's coming out He's going to miss probably at least three weeks um, after their bye week this week. So hopefully some more clarity comes out on this situation. You know, it's very possible that we just haven't gotten the full story yet. But um, again, that uh, the fact that they were mulling that uh, IR designation really, really has me a little concerned on this one. It, it sounds like there's a lot at play here with, with Hawkinson. It doesn't sound good. It didn't look good when he went down. So it's not too surprising to me that uh, that this injury is is multifaceted that there's there's a few different things here so we'll have to we'll have to continue monitoring that 
and we'll make sure that uh, that we continue to update throughout this process with Ethan here. So, Ethan, let's go to some of the injuries that that you know kind of already happened, and we're we're wondering what's going on with these players. Are they close to returning, or or did they have a setback? Kind of what's happened. So, first one I want to start with is Michael Gallup uh, over in Dallas. We uh, have been hearing some rumors that he might play, but uh, I'm I'm not so sure what's going to happen there. And we we've heard some conflicting things. So, what's going on with Michael Gallup here? Gallup, of course, has been missing. Uh, he's missed the last two weeks. He had a knee scope after week two, um, basically to clean up a meniscus tear that he was dealing with after that. Uh, it, I said after on uh, on the show uh, before week three that I thought this was going to be a pretty quick turnaround for him. It's looking like that is going to be the case. Uh, they're actually expecting him to play this week. So, um, again, probably not going to be at 100%, but the fact that he's suiting up means that uh, from an injury perspective, at least he's good enough to go. So, um, again, probably a flex option if you're really hurting at, at wide receiver or at uh, um, you know the bye week is hitting you extra hard this week. It shouldn't yet. We're not quite at uh, a bye week purgatory yet, but – um, Gallup, Gallup is uh, basically a, fe- a flex play. You're kind of hoping for a touchdown. Yeah, a couple weeks ago, I remember discussing him with you, and one of the encouraging signs was you had told me that um, there shouldn't be too much of a lingering issue. You know, when he is cleared, um, he he should be good to go. So while he might not be 100 percent this week, uh, you, you kind of think moving forward after this this week here, if he does play, um, you know, he shouldn't have any lingering issues with this uh, with this knee. I would not expect it unless unless it swells up um, and he, he gets some of that kind of residual swelling, which we can see uh, occasionally with these meniscus injuries. Um, uh, unless that bothers him and that inflammation creeps up, it shouldn't be something that, that really bothers him that much um, after this week. And we'll know after this week if that's the case. Okay, and that's great news because, you know, as fantasy owners, we, we can deal with somebody that's listed as out but somebody that is dealing with an injury and is playing less than 100% is always tough, you know, tougher to gauge whether or not we should be using that player or not. So uh, let's go on to the next player, and that's Terry McLaurin. Uh, you know, we know how valuable he's been. He's been a guy who uh, most most uh, fantasy players have been able to to acquire off the waiver wire, and he's been startable. He's been a very good fantasy asset. He missed last week on Monday night. It's a short week, short turnaround here with only the six days for Washington. Is Terry McLaurin going to be ready? I'm I'm not expecting him to be ready this week. Uh, he missed week four. He's dealing with a hamstring strain right now. Uh, again, this is one of those things that it just takes time. There's not uh, you, you can rehab it, but it's one of those things that can creep up again and again and again if you don't give it the time that it needs the first time. So uh, he is practicing in a limited fashion this week. So that's that's good. Um, but I just I don't see any reason for them to kind of rush him back. He has been for the most part the the only impressive piece of this offense uh, this year so far. So. So um, I don't expect them to rush him back, especially with a, a pretty physical corner um, in McCordy uh, with the Patriots this week. I just don't I don't think it's in their best interest to start him. Um, I think he's probably going to sit at least this week out and probably looking for a return um, after this week. Yeah, real tough matchup facing him if he does come back this week against New a New England pass defense that is historically good uh, starting out the season here. So. You know, that 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 doesn't bode well for him, even if he does suit up. So let's go on to Tevin Coleman. And I'm really interested in this one to see how San Francisco uses these backs if they're all fully healthy and what the rotation is. San Francisco has run the ball a higher percent than any team, even Minnesota. Um, 
a higher percent of their plays uh, than any other NFL team after last week. So this is really interesting to me to see if Devin Coleman is going to be healthy and what his usage is going to be. Ethan, what is Tevin Coleman's status and what do we think moving forward with him as far as this injury goes? Coleman's been missing with a high ankle sprain. These are these are sprains that typically take quite a bit to get people back. You know, it's one of those injuries that can really derail an entire season if you aren't careful with it. Um, he has returned practicing this week, which means we're going to be in a limbo of uh, this is my least favorite part of, of fantasy football when you get these guys that you can't put you can't stash them in the IR because they're listed as as questionable because they're getting limited reps in, but they're still probably not going to play. Um, I don't expect Coleman to suit up for this one. They just have too much depth at running back to really kind of try to push him to return. Um, but it is looking like uh, he is going to be a part of that uh, rotation going forward here pretty quick. So probably not starting this week, but um, definitely by next week. Uh, if he sits another week, I think that uh, he's going to be in the mix for this uh, San Francisco team. So let me ask you a question off that, Ethan. If you are a fantasy uh, a fantasy team, a fantasy owner that has Tevin Coleman rostered, are you hoping that he sits one more week and comes back, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more healthy? Or do you think that if he plays a limited role this week, um, you don't you don't really think that that's uh, too much of an issue as far as a setback goes? As far as a setback, no. I mean, I I, I hope they give him more rest um, personally just because uh, I think it would be when he does – if he plays this week, he's not going to be effective. So you're, you're, you're taking up a bench spot, and you're probably not going to be able to start him. Um, so for that, from a fantasy perspective, he's not going to be very useful to you this week most likely. Um, so in my eyes, you just give him another week of rest, uh, and that's better for, for fantasy owners. So from fantasy perspective, um, I, I hope they give him another week, but as far as from an injury perspective, it's not a huge risk, um, him returning unless something happens. But again, this is, this is an ankle sprain. I, I really don't expect him to come back, but it's just worth noting that he is practicing again. Okay, so that's that's something to monitor, too, with Tevin Coleman and his situation. If he suits up this week or not, Deshaun Jackson. And this is a guy that started out the season just white hot. He was he was tearing up defenses, and then the injury happened, and we haven't heard from him since. What's going on with Deshaun Jackson? Are we expecting him back anytime soon? I know a lot of fantasy, uh, fantasy owners are starting to get a little restless having him on the roster and uh, not being able to use him. Yeah, he's a tough guy um, to sit on your roster because you really uh... – I, while you, I don't think you were expecting him to play. He's again going to be one of those guys that you don't know exactly when he's going to come back. Um, he's still not practicing. He's got this abdominal strain. I uh, don't expect him to return this week. Um, again, you're just going to have to keep holding on to him uh, from a fantasy perspective. But when bye weeks start rolling around, these are the kind of guys that you have to really make a decision on. On uh, am I going to kind of grunt through this this guy that's going to probably take up a bench spot and not be able to get put on IR? Um, in an IR slot, and once you have to make some serious lineup decisions, those are the guys that, man, you might have to cut for for a player just to have somebody on the on the field that's actually playing. So, um, a tough 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 decision to be made, but uh, I don't expect him back this week. Okay, so another week we can expect Deshaun Jackson probably not going to suit up here, and um, yeah, it sounds like that's a that's another tough injury for him that 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 abdominal strain there. Sam Darnold, I'm going to put you on the uh, on, on the 
I'm kind of going to put you put you to the uh, to the fire here because I, I didn't uh, we don't have this I didn't clear this with you until you I was going to ask you this beforehand so Hit so me. putting you on the spot here we go Sam Darnold we're recording this on Thursday night and it it sounds like Friday that Sam Darnold is going to have his spleen measured to see whether or not he will play on Friday after they measure his spleen he is going to make a determination on whether or not he thinks it's safe to play. What, how do you measure a spleen? What do they need? What does he need to see? Or what do they need to see to say, yeah, we think that you can play. And, uh, and then even if he does play, how, how, I mean, what, what, what do we expect? I guess. Okay. So you definitely, uh, definitely put me on, on blast with this. And I was not expecting this, um, as, as far as measuring the spleen. Uh, let's talk about that first because uh, it sounds weird because it's not like you can just it's not like measuring uh, something that's out in the open. I mean, this is an organ. Um, it, it's not a perfectly round uh, shape. It's it's kind of an a, a oblong looking uh, organ. So uh, really what you're doing is there's a set of norms on what uh, a, a person that's his height and weight uh, what their spleen should look like um, size-wise. You know, they have norms. These are well-researched norms that they can use to then decide if um, the swelling on his spleen from the mono has reduced to the point where it's no longer putting him at a significant amount of risk for it rupturing if he gets hit. Now, that being said, um, the way they actually measure it is is uh, basically an ultrasound. Um, as, far as, as far as I know, unless they have some type of crazy technology. Again, I don't measure very many spleens as a physical therapist, but um, usually from what I know about this particular um, disease process, they will use an ultrasound just like if you were going to look at uh, a baby in a pregnant woman's belly uh, and they will they will look at the spleen and they will take measurements based on basically the ultrasound pictures that they find. Um, regardless, they're talking about him possibly playing with special padding to help protect his spleen, um, which is enlarged due to the mono, um, from being hit. So he's going to have some type of extra padding in that region anyway. Um, the, uh, based on the, the interview that I saw, he doesn't look very confident in playing. And uh, Dr. David Chow, um, pro football doc, always talks about uh, these decisions then and how they make decisions. It's the team, the doctor, and or medical staff and the player themselves. And all three have to be on board with this person returning. I can tell you from the interview, it doesn't sound like Sam Darnold is super thrilled about possibly returning. Um, and as he put it, he doesn't want to die. So uh, this is a serious issue. I don't <laughs> expect him to return this week. Um, I think they're going to give him another week. We're looking at possibly week six or seven before he returns. Um, but yeah, that that's it, it is interesting to think about them like measuring his spleen and that being the thing that uh, is the deciding one of the deciding factors for him returning. It's kind of an interesting, uh, interesting. Uh, it, it's not something you hear about very often in football. <laughs> Normally it's yeah. like, can he run? But for, for him, it's can he is his spleen small, small enough yet. Yeah, and I I remember us talking about this again, Ethan, a couple of weeks back, and uh, I was I was shocked to hear um, that part of uh, mononucleosis that you had shared with me is that your spleen is enlarged, and that's really how dangerous it is for athletes. It's because their spleen gets um, is is enlarged, and you know uh, the 
the uh, chances of rupturing it are, are higher. So I, I, I remember that conversation that we had and now hearing that they're going to measure his spleen. It's just been a bizarre type of injury and uh, something that we don't hear about a lot. So yeah, I definitely wanted to get your feedback on it. Thank you for uh, for allowing me to kind of freelance a little bit with that one. So I will add a fun fact here real quick oh, because, yeah. because you brought it up. Um, I did, I did a quick little, quick little Google search. I'm pretty, pretty quick on the, on the Google searching. Uh, that's what you get when you go to school for as long as I did. And fun fact, the average white male, 19 years old, has a spleen width of 5.2 centimeters and a length of about 10.82 centimeters. This was based on um, about 500 um, white males around the age of 19 that they guessed. So if you're wondering how big his spleen probably is, uh, it's probably somewhere in that range, you know, about 5.2 centimeters. So uh, that doesn't mean anything for whether or not he's returning. I just thought that that was, uh, you asked about spleen. We're talking about how big a spleen could be. So uh, that's what a normal spleen would look like. So there you go. You heard it here. So when when you get those spleen measurements in, you know, you can just come right here. You can listen to Ethan and he'll tell you exactly what a spleen should should be at. And then you can see Sam Darnold's measurements and you can kind of decipher for yourself if you think it's safe for him to play or not. So um highly unlikely they actually post it. I would I would, I, I would think tickled. I would think not, right? I yeah. Hope, I hope someone asks him how big his spleen was, because that would be something <laughs> I would want to know personally. Yeah, well, they, I, I'm sure there are very few people who uh who would want to know, but you might be one of them, Ethan. So let's uh let's go to the last player that we got here, and that's Saquon Barkley. Is it absolutely nuts? to think that this guy can play this week after coming back from a high ankle sprain and he, he he's taking like no time to heal. I, I, to me, this is so bizarre and I, I almost worry because I mean, this is so much quicker than what we expected. Um, is this, is this normal? Is this, is this something we can expect? Is he going to play this week? Is this normal? No, this is not normal by any stretch. Um, I don't think anything Saquon Barkley does is normal. I always say, uh, he has what I would call, uh, star healing and star healing is a a phrase that I have, have coined within, within my own analysis, which basically says that the stars of football, your, your absolute studs always, 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 always return faster than you expect them to. So uh, if a normal player is out six weeks, your Tevin Coleman's of the world with a high ankle sprain, uh, three weeks missed automatically Um, three to six weeks is the timeline. Uh, your Saquon Barkley's, you're you're going to start hearing rumblings at, at a week and a half because, uh, for whatever reason, stars are just made differently. They heal better. I don't I don't I don't understand it. Again, I haven't been able to study that specifically, but I'm telling you, everything that I've found in the last three years of covering NFL injuries tells me that if you have a absolute stud and Saquon Barkley qualifies as that they almost always return faster than the normal NFL player. So is it crazy that we're talking about it? Yes, absolutely. From uh, Saquon Barkley versus the norm. This is, this is, he's in his own separate little category. I still think a return this week is unlikely um, because to me personally, despite uh, the star, the star power that he has and the the star healing, uh, I, I don't see the Giants pushing the issue on this guy in particular. Um, the team will probably hold him back more than he'll hold himself back. But it is looking very much like next week could be a possibility for him returning. Me personally, I think uh, a much softer matchup against the Cardinals in week seven 
is the most likely return date for Barkley. Um, but don't be surprised if you hear him, him suiting up next week. Yeah, it, that that's crazy to me. It's absolutely <laughs> it crazy. crazy. Um, I, I like the way you explained it, though. Um, so what is it? Star healing? That's what we're calling it? I mean, yeah, that's that's essentially what it is. I, mean, I like it. Star healing. I mean, they just... They heal different. They 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 function differently than what they what the normal person does. I, I don't understand it. I wish somebody would study it so that I could read the study and really understand it better. But um, everything I've seen, the, the studs always get better faster. Maybe it's the work ethic. Um, they don't become studs by not having incredible work ethic. So you know they take rehab very very seriously, and possibly that's why. But again, I don't I don't really know for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I heard a lot of that about, you know, uh, a lot of people contributing him being able to do this this early is because he did everything, anything and everything that was asked of him from the medical team as far as his rehab goes. So uh, that that plays an important role, I'm sure, in this. But uh, it, it, it's interesting. But I think you're right. I think a nice, easy matchup against Arizona is is the way to the way to go. And Wayne Gallman actually looked good last week. I don't know. There's a need to rush back your your star running back here. Uh, for a matchup against the Vikings. It seems like a tough, tough game already. Uh, anyhow. So um, yeah. So Ethan, thank you so much for this. Um, we will catch up with you next time on the flip side, man. Thanks again. All right. We're back. Stompy. Let, let's get going here. So you you got the first game and this is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the New Orleans Saints. Again, uh, real quick for those who haven't listened to the past weeks, we do a green light, yellow light, red light, the green light. These are player or uh, player or players that we are given the green light to. You can start with confidence. The yellow light, you can start with caution. We expect there to be a, you know, you can start them. They're startable players, but, uh, you know, keep your expectations uh, reasonable within check. Red light, these are guys that we would bench if you have better options. So, Stompy, without any further ado, go ahead and break down the Bucks and the Saints for us. All right. So, this is actually going to be, I think, a relatively high scoring game. Uh, you have two defenses that, basically profile is the same. They're good against the run, bad against the pass. Uh, the, sorry, the uh, Bucks are third uh, or have allowed the third fewest uh, fantasy points to running backs. New Orleans has allowed the fifth fewest uh, fan, uh, fantasy points to running backs. And then it's basically the exact opposite. Like I said, the Saints have allowed the second most fantasy points to QBs. And the Bucks have allowed the seventh most fantasy points to QB. So you get the idea of where how this game is going to go. Um, obviously, I don't think you can sit Kamara. So, uh, but I'll, I'll start with green lights here. I think both Teddy and Jameis are green lights this week. Um, Teddy just he I don't know if he's thrown for over 200 yards yet um, this season in, in his two starts and what three quarters uh, against LA. He just really hasn't done well but i believe he's led them to two uh wins in his two starts so that's kind of odd but they've leaned on the defense in the run game there uh but i i believe that this week is the week that he can put up 250 yards a couple touchdowns and you will not be upset with starting him so i'm giving him the green light uh Jameis started the season struggling a little bit i believe he had two straight uh games of team uh fantasy points which is not was not a good start uh considering how people had him uh or or how how people viewed him entering the season but the last two uh Jameis has I apologize uh he has 31 and 35 fantasy points respectively against the New York Giants and LA Rams of course the Rams being 
what some thought to be a good defense, but he threw 385 yards and four touchdowns uh, against the Rams. So I expect that can, to continue. I wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, eclipse 30 point or 30 uh, fantasy points again with them throwing a, a ton against a, a Saints defense that has, has been susceptible against the past. So start both of those quarterbacks if you need to, or if you can uh, this week, Teddy Bridgewater being the AQB two and super flex, obviously. Um, like I said, yellow light, I, I don't think you can sit Kamara, but you need to temper expectations, I suppose. Uh, he's he's very involved uh, in the pass game. Um, so that's like his upside is always going to be high because of that. But uh, the Buccaneers outside of last week uh, have allowed less than double-digit points to all of the running backs they faced. Of course, last week they had Todd Gurley. But they only allowed 16 yards on five carries, uh, but they did give up seven receptions for 54 yards to Todd Gurley last week, and, the, and then he scored those two touchdowns. So he was shut down on the ground. But uh, like I said, Todd Gurley caught seven of 11 targets for 54 yards. He, they've also given up four of five targets to Saquon Barkley. They allowed another six targets to Christian McCaffrey. So Kamara, while he won't be shut down, he's – you need to temper expectations a little bit. He's probably he's startable this week. Obviously, I don't think you're ever going to sit him, but just temper your expectations. Finally, uh, Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones has picked it up the last. What well, I think he said three. He double digit carries through the last four weeks. Uh, he's had seventy or four seventy or more yards in those weeks, and he's had double digit fantasy points in those weeks that he's gotten double digit carries. Uh, it seems like he is taking over as the RB one there. It's it's basically a full blown committee at this point, but he's l- looked definitely looked better than Peyton Barber. Uh, however, this week you should be sitting him. Like I said, New Orleans against running backs, fifth fewest fantasy points to running backs. Uh, last week they did allow Zeke to go for uh, 18.5 fantasy points, but they he only had 35 points on uh, 18 attempts on the ground. Uh, the Saints are susceptible a bit to pass catching running backs, but Ronald Jones only has, I believe, three targets on the season, so he's not really involved in that passing game. So he does not have the upside of a Ezekiel Elliott, Todd Gurley, um, or or any of those pass catching backs. So you need to be sitting Ronald Jones this week. What do you think about that, James? I love the breakdown, man. That was a really good breakdown. I like both the quarterbacks. Your green lights to me are, are what stands out here. I think both these quarterbacks have plus matchups. I will not say very often that I like Jameis Winston, but he he definitely looks like he's in the zone right now, and he's going against a defense that can be had through the air. So I definitely think that those are the two guys to start. I love those green-whites. So um, really good breakdown, Stompy. I'm going to go ahead with the Jaguars and the Panthers. Um, this game is interesting because Jacksonville, you know, offensively, all of a sudden this team has become fun to watch. 104 net last week, had over 200 yards rushing. He was running really well, strong. Through the tackles, he was, uh, you know, really hard to bring down. He had he showed really good vision to me too on some of his runs. He actually didn't always go to the to kind of the first hole where the hole is supposed to be. He actually looked at cutback lanes and actually found the hole. So I think he looked really good, and he's going to be my green light here against Carolina. Look, the Carolina Panthers, they won two in a row. They started out zero and two. They're now two and two. They've been relevant. Their defense has been a big reason uh, why 
Um, that's kind of been happening. Kyle Allen's been good when he's had to be, but overall his numbers aren't spectacular. So, um, you know, when we look at last week, the Panthers escaped with a win against the Texans. However, really Houston kind of did themselves no favors because they were running the ball pretty well. I mean, Carlos Hyde, 12 carries for 58 yards. Um, Duke Johnson, six carries for 56 yards. They were really gashing Carolina on the ground. They just didn't, they, they abandoned the ground game. Um, Deshaun Watson threw 33 pass attempts. So, um, and, and he only had 160 yards. He, he was sacked six times. Um, Carolina is susceptible on the ground. And I think right now with the way that the, uh, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars are playing, that run game is, is, you know, the pass game is good enough to keep defenses honest. So the run game is, is really, uh, really important there. And I, I think it's, it's firing on all cylinders. I'm saying my green light is one four net. And I won't say that very much this year, but I'm going to say it in this matchup. I think this is a nice, nice matchup. Jacksonville on the road. They're going to want to keep the ball away from Carolina. They're going to want to keep the ball on the ground and keep the clock running. So I like that. My yellow light is Gardner Minshew and, Man, he's the talk of the league right now. I mean, this guy can do no wrong. Every time he puts the ball in the air, it seems like good things happen. And, you know, he's making plays. He's scrambling around and, um, you know, outside the pocket making plays. It's just it's amazing seeing what he's done. Um, You know, not a lot expected out of Gardner Minshew when Nick Foles went down. And he, he really has excelled. Um, to me, I think this is a very nice, uh, a, a nice matchup. I, I would say yellow white just because, hey, look, Carolina, like I stated, pretty good against the pass. They have a good pass rush. Uh, they're starting to show that. They showed it last week against Houston. But Houston's offensive line is terrible. This offensive line for Jacksonville is better. I think Gardner Minshew is going to make some plays. I would just temper my expectations. I wouldn't expect a huge game out of them or a performance like we saw last week. I would temper my expectations, dial it back a little bit. Gardner Minshew is still a startable quarterback in two QB leagues, but he's just not a top 12 start this week. So I, I would proceed with caution as far as Gardner Minshew goes. And my red light is Kyle Allen. And look, Kyle Allen has gotten two wins. He's 2-0 as a starting quarterback, which is a feather in his cap, absolutely. But his numbers just haven't been there. So for fantasy, I don't know that I want to start this guy. And look, last week, he he passed for 34 pass attempts, 24 for 34. Still only had 232 yards, didn't have a touchdown. It's the Christian McCaffrey show, too. Um, If Christian McCaffrey gets shut down or if they take away those targets, it's going to be tough for him um, just because, you know, we'll kind of see what uh, what happens in Jacksonville. I think a key to this, too, is also, you know, is is Jalen Ramsey going to start? Is he going to play? If he does, I think that takes away DJ Moore. I think, uh, you know, if he shadows him or it could take away Curtis Samuel or DJ Moore on certain plays, depending on kind of how they line them up. But either way, I think that means it's harder to get the ball to the receivers. So, um I, I think this could be a tough matchup for Kyle Allen. I think Carolina is going to also want to keep the ball on the ground. Or if they do pass, I think they're going to want to look at the short passing game, getting the ball out quick of uh, of Kyle Allen's hands and making quick, easy reads for him to be successful and to move the ball downfield. So to me, he's a red light. I wouldn't be starting him if I had better options. I think he's about QB 23 for me. So he's right on the fringe of of startable, uh, in a, in a super flex or two QB league for me. So, um, what are your thoughts Stompy, on all this? Yeah, I'm good on all of that. I mean, I have come around on Fournette uh, a lot this year. Uh, he's been involved in the past game. Like you said, uh, he has been, cru- I mean, he just crushed the Denver Broncos. Um, we'll, we'll see what he can do against Carolina, but the Carolina's strength is in the passing game. So I would expect them to lean heavily on Fournette this week. Um, Minshew, that dude, like, I I don't think it matters to him what the matchup is. Last week he faced the Denver Broncos, and he still put up 20 points. 
And it just, it doesn't matter to him. And he's put up, I believe, 19, 19, 20, and 20. So the guy just kind of consistently produces. Um, he's not going to give you over-the-top numbers, but he's going to give you consistent numbers. Here, here, Here's your fantasy point breakdown for Gardner Mitchell. 22, 20, 20, 19. And, and the latter two are against Tennessee and Denver, who have very good defenses. So, I mean, I, I just – he's he's got uh, – he's not – like I said, he's not going to put up – gaudy numbers but he'll he'll give you enough numbers to be startable uh every week so yeah i, I really like that and then um your red light i i absolutely agree i, I think this is i mean it, basically he he is going to live and die by christian mccaffrey and how involved uh or how much they they pass the ball to christian mccaffrey if christian mccaffrey has a big game which i expect him to Ky- i mean it, it it's just tough with this Jacksonville defense um, to to what they're going to do because last week, but they were without Jalen Ramsey. But last week, Joe Flacco was able to um, go over 300 yards and had three touchdowns, I believe. But with Jalen Ramsey back, uh, they likely are a, a lot better. So I, I definitely agree there. Yeah, it's interesting. Kyle Allen's going to be one of those guys I think is a better NFL quarterback than a fantasy quarterback. And I think we're going to hear a lot of his name, um, especially if he can find a way to, to win this game. He'll be 3-0 and as a starter, bringing Carolina back into relevance. Um, I think we're going to hear a lot about Kyle Allen. I just don't think I want him for fantasy. So, um, Stompy, let's go to the next game. You have the Jets and the Eagles. This one's interesting. There's some... Uh, uh, there's some big names in this game. I'm just not too sure what to do with them. Um, so why don't you break this one down for us and let me know? Yeah, I agree. So this game is, it's much like the Saints in the Bucks game. Um, the Jets defense has actually been pretty good this season. Uh, they rank 10th in DVOA against the pass, uh, 11th against the run. So they're not like the top of the pack, but they're not bad by any stretch on either, either against the run or the pass. So that's something that we need to take into account here is that while they're probably not going to dominate you on defense, they're still good enough to stop you. And I don't know if CJ Mosley is back this week. He should be, which gives them a boost. Um, I I apologize. CJ Mosley will remain out this week. So um, they're a little bit more susceptible there uh, to um, against guys like uh, pass catching running backs and uh, tight ends um, who we'll talk about here in a second. Um, But yeah, so my, my green light really, I don't love anybody in this matchup. Um, The only green light I like, and this really is dependent on if Sam Darnold plays is Robbie Anderson. Uh, The, Eagles secondary has been atrocious. And I believe they just signed like Orlando Scandrick off the street to start this week. So that just gives you an idea of how bad the Eagles are in the secondary and how injured they are. I believe Avante Maddox is out um, because of that. uh, I I believe he was carted off. Correct. And they had to take off his mask. Like that's how bad it was last week. So Mm -hmm. the Eagles are struggling in the secondary. They were bad before they are are worse now they have given up the most points fantasy points to wide receivers they've given up the fourth most points to uh qbs so if darnold plays he might be a green light as well but anderson robbie anderson is definitely a green light if darnold plays um he's still a yellow light for me even if luke falk plays and he might even be a green light he's kind of he's kind of in that i don't know 
poop green. We'll call it poop green, neon <laughs> green, whatever you want, whatever color you want to call it. Like he's between green and yellow right now, just because of the QB situation. But that matchup just might might be so good that it doesn't really matter. Um, in terms of yellow lights, uh, Jordan Howard, uh, Le'Veon Bell, the the two running backs. Like I said, um, the Jets have been good good against the run not great uh, jordan howard seems to have taken over as the uh rb1 there but uh, again it's it's uh, another committee here um with sanders and darren sproles and it's just it's philadelphia let's be realistic here it's it's philadelphia um so i, I don't know how much you can really trust that uh that back situation but if you need to start Jordan Howard, especially in these bye weeks, he's a yellow light here. I think he'll be startable. Um, and then Le'Veon Bell, uh, the strength of this this Eagles defense is against the run. Uh, they have allowed <clears throat> the sixth fewest fantasy points to running backs this year. They rank, sorry, uh, sixth, fifth uh, against the run in DVOA. So, they are good against the run. So, I mean, Le'Veon Bell is a pass catcher. Uh, like I like I said, CJ Mo- – or, or, uh, or sorry, uh, I, I just switched teams on you. Um, so, Le'Veon Bell is a pass catcher. His upside is always going to be there. But temper out your expectations, especially on the ground with Le'Veon Bell. And then uh, my red light, uh, and this one's going to be a little bit controversial, but it is Zach Ertz. Uh, like I said, the Jets – have been good against tight ends and against pass catching uh, running backs and against tight ends. Um, they rank 12th in DVOA in coverage. They have allowed the, well, I lost it here. Uh, sorry. They've allowed the fewest fantasy points to tight ends this year. Now they haven't faced a gauntlet by any means. I mean, we're talking about Tommy Sweeney, Dawson Knox, Demetrius Harris, David Njoku, and then Ryan Izzo for, for New England. So they haven't faced a gauntlet, but they have those safeties that will help against tight ends. And let's be realistic. Zach Ertz has not been the same this year. And I think we expected that. Um, he, he just – he set records last season, but before last season, he was a 800 yard type guy. And then he exploded for over 1100 yards, but I, you need to expect kind of that 75 catch 800 yard, uh, five touchdown type of season from Zach Ertz, which is perfectly fine, but he's just not that top three tight end that we thought, um, right now he's the tight end 12 and he has, uh, and this is wrong because it's not showing me PPR. Uh, every week he's gotten double-digit fantasy points, but he has zero touchdowns. And they have uh, they have Dallas Goddard, who has more touchdowns. They have Alshon Jeffrey down there as well. So they have guys in the red zone that will require those red zone targets or will garner those red zone targets over Zachert. So while he will get targets – he won't get explosive yardage and he probably isn't going to give you those 20 point games anymore. So against a good defense against tight ends and without his super upside, I'm calling Zach Ertz a red light this week. 
Yeah, man, I, I tell you what, that's an interesting breakdown. Obviously, Zach Ertz being a red-white is controversial. However, I will say this, man, I, I the, the way the tight end position has kind of been been structured this year, it's, 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 I mean, there are more names that are putting up some numbers than we've seen in the past, and there's a good chance that you actually have an option on your bench that, that might be a better option just for this week than Zach Ertz. And I think you made a very good good case against Zach Ertz this week and why you wouldn't start him. Obviously, a tough matchup. He hasn't found the end zone yet. Um, so, you know, he's he's going to be reliant on multiple targets and multiple receptions in PPR to hit that double digits. But if this is a team that isn't giving that up, you know, I, I don't know that you really want to count on it. So um, I like that. I like that a lot. I think your yellow lights are the same yellow lights I had. Um, and the green light, you know, it, it's really tough um, in this one just because we don't know Darnold's status yet. Uh, it sounds like Friday he's going to get his spleen measured, and if it's if it's not too big, um, or not too swollen, or whatever, he's he he plans on playing. So I think that makes a big difference. I mean, you're talking Sam Darnold to Luke Falk. So um, you know it's tough to kind of come up with a green white in this one, not knowing kind of what's going to happen at quarterback position there. So no, I, I agree with all that, Stompy. I think that's fantastic. And um, Stompy, before we go any further, I would like to let our listeners know about the FF Mercenaries. Look, a goal without a plan is just a wish. So stop wishing and start planning for your fantasy championship with the FF Mercenaries. Fantasy football mercenaries love it when a plan comes together. And this A-team of fantasy football minds is here to help you map out your path to fantasy glory. Whether you're looking for draft strategy during and throughout your draft, dynasty roster consultations, in-season support, alternate scoring navigation, or DFX expertise, the Mercs are here to help you develop and execute the strategy that will help you destroy your league. So sign up now for your one-on-one -on -one consultation with a strategic specialist for your unique and specific needs. Visit ffmercs.com, that's F-F-M-E-R-C-S.com, and use the promo code SUPERFLEXSHOW, all one word, for 10% off your consultation. That promo code again, SUPERFLEXSHOW at ffmercs.com where winning is the only option. All right, Stompy, so let me go ahead to the next game, and I have the New England Patriots and the Washington Redskins. This one this one should be fun. Um, Washington's offense is struggling. Obviously, Case Keenum was pulled last week, uh, you know, for Dwayne Haskins, who, you know, th that was his first NFL action, and it looks like his first NFL start might be against the New England Patriots. This is not a good position for him. He is at home, but, man, this New England defense has been just awesome. Um, so th this one's tough. It's going to be pretty one-sided for me. My green light is going to be Tom Brady. Look, Washington hasn't been able to stop anyone on the ground or through the air. They're just not a good defensive team, which means they have to throw the ball out because they're behind a lot. And, and Tom Brady is just, I, 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 we haven't had one of those really strong Tom Brady games in a couple weeks now. Buffalo, we struggled a little bit. Um, and I, I really feel like this is a get-right game for the New England Patriots. The Washington Redskins defensively have just not been good. Um, Josh Norman has, has actually been really bad this year, which is surprising. You don't ever expect him to be as, as bad as he has been. Um, so number one wide receivers are having their way with them. I could see Josh Gordon getting going, going uh, this, this week. I could see Julian Edelman reestablishing himself this week. I could also see, uh, you know, Tom Brady throwing multiple touchdown passes. To me, Tom Brady's the green light. You got him. You start him. Feel good about it because he's probably he's a QB one for me this week in a matchup that just screams uh, for quarterback production. So I like Tom Brady. Here is my green light. 
My yellow and white Sony Michelle, look, New England is trying to establish him. They really are. I mean, they come out and they they hand him the ball a lot. He, he's, he's gotten a lot of opportunity. He just really hasn't done anything with it. And something I saw, he has broke zero tackles this year today. I mean, that's insane. Uh, I think New England, again, this is a get-right game. And if you have a player that's struggling that you want to get right, this is the game to do it. I think Sony Michelle is going to get right. Um, I would temper my expectations. I don't think they're going to be what Brady's are. But I still think he's going to have a nice game. I could see him finding the end zone. I think it's important that New England gets him established down towards the goal line. And I think they will. I think that this is going to be one of their objectives is to get the running game going against a defense that struggles here, against a team that they think that they could probably get a win against. And if they get up early, which I expect that's going to be the case, establishing that running game should be priority number one. Um, and I think I think they will do that. And I think so. Michelle is going to be a big part of it. So he's my yellow white. I would temper expectations only because he's had opportunity time and time again and hasn't done anything with it. Um, this time, I think it might be a little different. I think you can expect a touchdown from him. So I, I would proceed, but with caution, I wouldn't expect a huge game from him. We just haven't seen that this year. My red white's Terry McLaurin, and I love Terry McLaurin, but man, number one receivers do nothing against the New England Patriots. It's a tough matchup. Stephon Gilmore is going to be on him. Um, a majority of the game, I would suspect. And I, I just don't think it's a matchup where Terry McLaurin's going to get a lot of looks. I could see some other wide receivers in Washington having sneaky games this week, um, but I just don't know what to expect from that passing game. Um, we're getting a new quarterback now, a rookie quarterback against Bill Belichick. I I don't love the matchup there. Um, I'm just, to me, I, I, I'm taking a wait-and-see approach with Washington, especially this week in a tough matchup against a defense that has been historically good. I'm staying away. I don't want anything to do with the Washington Redskins. Terry McLaurin, to me, is the best fantasy uh, option that they have on their team, and I'm staying away from him this week. So, um, yeah, Stompy, what do you think about that? Am I totally off base here? Not at all. I mean, uh, like you said, I, and I, I like I had a tough time. So writing writing my start sets, I had a tough time with the wide receivers for for the Patriots because. I always I always try and stick stay away from the obvious starts and the obvious sets, and so like guys like Josh Gordon um, and uh, Philip Dorsett are still viable in terms of the way I do start sets. And I had a tough time juggling which one is going to be the one that um, goes out and has a big game. And it might be all three. It might be Edelman, Gordon, and uh, Philip Dorsett this week. That's how bad that secondary has been. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Tom Brady absolutely makes sense. I think in the first half, they're going to go up big and probably through the air. That's how they're going to get up big. And that's why I like your Sony Michelle take is they're probably going to be up big into the second half and they need to get Michelle going. I think he was kind of the catalyst for their, their off season run last season. He dominated the off season last season and they, probably a major reason that they won the Super Bowl. So they need to get Michelle going. Obviously, I love Terry McLaurin, but he's got the hamstring issue. And like you said, the Patriots, I mean, their defense in general has just shut down everybody. And I don't, I think uh, Adrian Peterson's a red light, especially in bye weeks. It just, you, you, you're just not going to be able to do anything against New England this year. It's unfair this, that you have Tom Brady as your QB and you have the number one defense in the league. It's just unfair. So, yeah, I mean, really, basically it's almost cheating at this point to have start sits versus the Patriots because basically you're not starting anybody unless it's like Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, yeah, I, I, you're right. I mean, it's that's what it's come down to. And this Washington team, 
unfortunately is struggling um, on both sides of the ball. I mean, offense last last week really against a Giants defense that uh, you would have thought they could have could have done some stuff against, put up three points. So I mean, they're struggling on both sides of the ball, and then they go to New, or they have New England this week that they're hosting. So um, really tough matchup for them, and uh, and I, I I don't know how they're going to score. Um, is is kind of my my thing with that. The only way I can see is if. New England goes up by 50 or something like, like a, a really a huge amount and um, Washington gets some garbage time, you know, touchdowns. But speaking of the Giants last week, you have the Giants this week. The Vikings are in New York taking on the Giants. Stompy, what do we do with these players in this game? So this one's interesting. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think it's a good thing for your boy DJ over here. The the actual DJ, DJ. Um, the Giants secondaries absolutely struggled. Uh, through the air and I don't I mean they got rid of Landon Collins uh, Janoris Jenkins has not been good this season um, the 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 Giants have given up the I apologize I, I, I have to keep bouncing around here so uh, forgive me as I as I vamp uh, the Giants have given up the fourth most fantasy points to uh, wide receivers on the season Giving up the fifth most points to fantasy QBs, so we know that they struggle uh, through the air against uh, running backs. They actually haven't been that bad. Uh, they are kind of middle of the pack, uh, giving up the thirteenth fewest fantasy points to running backs. So this is going to be hopefully an errant out game for the Vikings, which they desperately need. I think we saw it last week. Like they are not going to get out of the NFC North if they're not passing the ball. Uh, if you're not getting Thielen and Diggs involved, and and by the way, those two are extremely frustrated with how things are going. Um, if you're not getting the ball into your best player's hands, then you are in trouble. So with that in mind, uh, I have the Cousins and Diggs stack as starts this week. Like I said, Giants struggle mightily uh, through the air, um, and hopefully this is this is the game where Cousins and Diggs uh, start to connect. Cousins and Thielen start to connect. And this is a passing game for the Vikings. I'm hoping Mike Zimmer sees it that way, and that's how they go about it. Um, so I like Cousins and Diggs this week. I also like Thielen if you're going to go uh, that direction as well. So start the Vikings passing game. Uh, yellow light is uh, Wayne Gallman. We saw last week the guy is just getting a ton of volume, but unfortunately his matchup's not great. The Vikings have given up the eighth most fantasy points to running backs. Um, they are ranked fourth against the run in terms of DVOA. Against, uh, or So while he's probably going to get the volume and you'll probably be okay and he has that pass catching upside like he had last week, you need to temper your expectations. Uh I don't see this going all that well for the Giants offense, but Gallman is probably your best bet to get fantasy points from the New York, New York Giants. Like I said, bad news for Daniel Jones. Red light here. Um, the Vikings actually have not been overly great against the pass this season, but we know that they have the pass runs. We know that they have the cornerbacks. We know they have um, Harrison Smith at safety. They were great last season against the pass. I don't think much has changed there, um, but they should likely shut down Daniel Jones, should shut down those wide receivers. I don't expect much from Sterling Shepard. Evan Ingram, it's going to be tough to sit. But Minnesota's actually been good against uh, 
tight end. So he, if you have a better option, say uh, a Darren Waller who you would have gotten late, very late, and could have paired with Evan Ingram, I would be starting Darren Waller over Evan Ingram this week. That's how bad the matchup is. But volume for Evan Ingram, it's kind of it's kind of tough to sit him. I get it. But there's not much I love about this New York Giants passing game. So I'm I honestly I'm probably giving all of them a red light at this point. Yeah, it's interesting to me. I the one thing I do want to see is how this offense is going to look with Golden Tate, how they're going to work him in. I think this offense becomes uh the passing offense becomes a whole lot better if Golden Tate can kind of find find his role and they can fit him in. Sterling Shepard's been good, Evan Ingram's been good, and if Golden Tate can can provide a little bit more punch. I think uh, I think this passing attack is going to be good. That being said, this week this is a tough matchup, man. Minnesota is 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 a really good defense, and we know what they want to do. They want to run the ball. They want to work off of play action, and uh, and and you know utilize those pass attempts that way, um, and and just win you know by grinding it out and by you know keeping the opponent um, off the scoreboard for the most part. So I think it's a tough matchup for Daniel Jones. This passing defense is very good for Minnesota. So I like that. I like the Cousins dig stack too. I think. Um, I think I really like Diggs this week. How many times have we seen the squeaky wheel get the oil? You know, I mean, it seems to happen an awful, an awful lot. And uh, and I think, I think this might be the week where uh, where they give Diggs that oil, so that way maybe they can keep him uh, keep him happy or quiet at least for a few weeks. You know. By the um, way, by the way, mm-hmm. he goes off for over a hundred yards against their most difficult matchup this year because, of course, he does. That is the game that nobody's really expecting him to do anything after he hasn't done anything for the first three weeks, and he goes for, oh, for over 100 yards. Yeah, he, it's the Jameis Winston effect. It's the, all right, I had you in my starting lineup the first two weeks, Jameis, and you stunk, so I'm putting you on the bench, and then the next two weeks he goes nuts, and it doesn't help you, and then this week you're going to put him in your lineup. It's a good matchup, and watch watch him lay a stinker, even though we just suggested him, but it just seems like that's that's the way it goes with Jameis, so I'm, I'm, I, yeah, I, I think that's kind of, kind of what I expect um, with this. I mean, yeah, Diggs, Diggs did that and he was on my bench, um, you know, and a lot of the weeks I had him in, it was just kind of enough. Like I, what am I going to get out of him? I'm going to go ahead and put him on the bench here. So, um, sorry about that. We got, uh, we, we got an ambulance passing. So, uh, um, yeah, no, but I like everything that you said here. Gallman, I think is the yellow light. I think, you know, you don't want to expect, two touchdowns weekly, especially against a tough defense, but um, he's definitely, you know, going to be a red zone threat. And, you know, if he can, he has some touchdown upside and he's, he's actually, he looked really good last week. So I like that as well. I'm going to go to the next game here, Stompy. Uh, my last game that I'm going to break down for us is going to be the green Bay Packers going to Dallas to take on the Dallas Cowboys. This one to me is very interesting. My green light is going to be Zeke Elliott. And look, we saw green Bay last week. They really, really struggled stopping Jordan Howard. Um, and that's that's funny to say because this defense was doing so well, and uh, and and it just seemed like you know things fell apart against Philadelphia, and the running defense looked terrible. Looking back at some of the film, I mean the holes that were that uh, that Jordan Howard was running through. I mean you could drive a truck through these holes. It was bad. Uh, their, their run defense was was terrible, and I expect this is a get right game for Zeke Elliott. Um, Dak Prescott in the passing attack has kind of led that team. Last week against New Orleans, they struggled to move the ball. They only scored 10 points. I think Zeke is going to carry this offense. I think the Cowboys are going to get back to doing 
what they did last year. They're going to go ahead and say, hey, look, we need a week of getting right here against the Packers defense that is pretty good against the pass, has a nice pass rush, but really showed to be susceptible against the running game last week. So Zeke Elliott, to me, is the guy that you you just start and you just you smile because I think I think he's going to have a nice, nice game. Um, he's in line for one. So Zeke Elliott, to me, is my green light. I know you're going to start on most weeks anyways, but he is my green light for sure this week. Um, Randall Cobb is my yellow light. And look, we, we hear that as of right now. And uh, again, you know, we're, we're recording on Thursday night. So as of right now, it sounds like Michael Gallup might be playing, might be playing this week. Um, so that's why he's Cobb is a yellow light to me is because, look, he might be the third or fourth passing option on this team. Problem is, is that he's going up against a team that he knows very well in Green Bay. You know that this is the game that he wants to have a week. And he's actually... Yeah, he's been a big play guy. He just had a couple touchdowns called back some of the big plays that he's had. So that really hurts him. I think that Randall Cobb is going to be usable this week, though. It wouldn't shock me if Dallas ended up, uh, you know, working off a of play action. And when they look down the field, Randall Cobb's the guy that they're looking at. So um, I, I wouldn't expect a huge game from him. But I, I think he can. I think he'll be fantasy relevant. I think he'll be startable, and that's really all you're looking for when it comes to a guy like Randall Cobb. Is you know, can I put him in my flex on a bye week when I really need a guy? I think this week you probably can with Randall Cobb. My red light is Aaron Jones, and look, it's Aaron Jones because the, the Cowboys running the, the Cowboys defense really in general has been good, but the Cowboys rush defense um, has, has shown to be better over the past couple of weeks. Um, you know, you look at what New Orleans did. Um, last week and uh, Kamara had 17 carries for 69 yards. Not, not terrible. Nobody else really ran for anything um, for the most part uh, outside of him. Uh, Kamara had three grabs for 20 yards, um, you know, last week and Kamara is one of the better backs. Now, obviously New Orleans didn't have one of their great weeks. They only scored 12 points. They got, you know, they, they stayed out of the end zone um, for the most part. But when you go back, I mean, you look and Dallas really hasn't played anyone. So it's tough to decipher, but I mean, Miami didn't run the ball great against them. Um, you know, in week three and then week two, uh, when you go back and you see, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, box score there, um, the Washington Redskins played well, they passed the ball. Well, they didn't really run it. <laughs> AP 10 carries 25 yards. So, um, as of right now with the limited information that we have and the matchups that we have, Dallas's run defense has been really good. Aaron Jones might actually see a uh, increased workload, but I, I don't want anything to do with it. It's a tough matchup. I don't think Green Bay is very good at running the ball anyways. And last week, it seemed like they discovered on Thursday Night Football that, oh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers can throw. That's right. He's good at that. And I expect that to be the narrative moving forward. Devontae Adams might miss the game, so you might think that Aaron Jones would get an increased workload. But I think they're going to see what some of these younger guys can do. Jimmy Graham looks healthy, and he's actually looked pretty good in some uh, uh, when he's been used. And so I, I think that that this is going to be the the game script for for Green Bay is going to be hey we're going to win this win this game through the air here um, and and I think uh, Aaron Jones's numbers suffer uh, this week so um, Stompy what do you think so this game is very interesting to me um, I mean I, I I think I agree across the board here uh, I think Randall Cobb I mean you're not going to be able to sit Amari Cooper but I think Randall Cobb might be the better start this week believe it or not just because those outside those outside corners are great for green bay i mean in terms of dvoa they the the packers rank eighth second and sixth against wide receiver ones wide receiver twos and then uh football outsiders has it as other wide receivers so they're very good in in coverage uh they have i believe three top 30 uh cornerbacks uh, according to PFF grades. So they've been very good against the pass. Uh, they've given up the 
four fewest fantasy points to uh, QBs, the um, the fewest fantasy points to wide receivers. So when like when I was writing that my start sits article, I I have Cooper and Dak as sits this week. Now I think it's more of a yellow light situation where you're not going to sit those two ever because they are just that good, but you really need to temper expectations this week. And I think this is going to be an Ezekiel Elliott league. I think week, I think Ezekiel Elliott's going to absolutely eat. Um, and, and the Packers have not been good against the run. They they've given up the third f- most fantasy points to running backs. Uh, that includes Jordan Howard, Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman, uh, Dalvin cook and Tariq Cohen. They, I mean, Fan or running backs have absolutely eaten against uh, Green Bay. So yeah, I I definitely agree on Zeke. I think this is de- definitely a Ezekiel Elliott week. Don't mind the Randall Cobb play because, like I said, those outside cornerbacks are some of the best in the league. And then I, I'm a little iffy on Aaron Jones just because Jamal Williams is out. He's going to get the volume, but I, I can agree that and and hopefully Matt Lafleur takes it as a sign that they need to throw the ball more. But I think because Aaron Jones is involved in that pass game, I would put him more as a yellow light. I don't know if I necessarily agree with the red light there. And of course, John is going to, John Hogue is going to come after you for this. And, and he's just going to add this as another point of reference for your hatred of Aaron Jones. Oh, I know. I know. Aaron (laughs) Jones could be playing the bears defense, the Vikings defense. And like, you know, the, the, uh, the, the freaking the U S military could be out there trying to stop him. And he would be telling me that Aaron Jones is a green light. So I, 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 already I, know. I don't know if I agree with the red light here. I think he's more of a yellow light. I don't know if there's mm-hmm. any red lights really, I mean, except for like, I'm not trusting Jimmy Graham. So I think he's a red light. Um, and then I, I don't know who you can really trust of this. Well, I think MVS is probably going to be the green light this week. Um, but other than that, I, I don't know how many actual red lights are in this game. Yeah, I, I can see that. I, I did uh, struggle coming up with a red light, so um, I'm, I'm pretty much with you. Um, I just wanted to put a name there. And to me, the, the the guy who I think has probably the most hype coming into this this game that I could see struggling a little bit is Aaron Jones. And the only reason being is because Jamal Williams looks like he's going to miss the game in the concussion protocol still. Um, so I think a lot of people are excited that Aaron Jones is going to to get an increased opportunity. And that's why I, I kind of think yeah, I'm probably more reserved on him than anybody else. Um, so uh, let's go to the last game, the last game that uh, that we're going to break down. The last game you've got for us, Stompy, our Monday night matchup. Be nice. My Cleveland Browns going to San Francisco to take on the undefeated San Francisco 49ers. What are we doing with the players in this one, bud? There's some really wild matchups this week. So this one you would think, oh, it's the Browns. The Browns should dominate the 49ers, though the 49ers are undefeated. Uh, and the Browns are what? One and three, two and two, two and two. Is that right, James? Yeah, they, they are James? two and two. Yep. Right. But yeah, the 49ers defense has been awesome this season. They are ranked second overall in DVO in football outsiders DVOA. They rank sixth against the pass, sixth against the rush. Um, they are allowing the fewest fantasy points to running backs, which is not a good omen for uh, Nick Chubb. They're allowing the 
uh, ninth fewest fantasy points to quarterbacks. The uh, well, they're middle of the pack against wide receivers, but they're very good against um, uh, basically against passing games and running games. So it's it's hard to find a weakness for the 49ers right now. Um, so I honestly don't have any green lights this week. I don't feel good about who starting anybody in this game. Uh, so most of the the offensive options that you want in this game are yellow lights for me. So Nick Chubb, obviously you're not sitting him, especially after he torched the Ravens for 165 yards and what, three touchdowns last week. Uh, you can't sit him. He is, and I will argue this until I'm dead, is that Nick Chubb is – one of, if not the best rushing running backs in the game right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, Nick Chubb, you're not sitting him, but temper your expectations until we, I, I mean, the San Francisco 49ers defense seems legit. I mean, they added some good uh, pieces this season, D Ford along that offensive line. Uh, they also, I can't remember. Who, who the rookie defensive end or sorry, defensive line. I can't remember who the rookie defensive end they picked up was. Oh, it was Nick Bosa. Dumb. That was really dumb. That was, that <laughs> might've been the dumbest thing I, I've done on this show. Um, it's, late. it's late for everyone listening. It is late. All right. We're going to make errors like that. And and so you had D Ford, Nick, Nick Bosa and DeForest Buck, Buckner along that defensive line. And then you have, then you picked up Quan Alexander to, middle linebacker there we can't forget about fred warner um jaquiski tartan the, the secondary richard sherman seems to be back into some sort of form so this defense seems legit so it's tough it's going to be tough sledding for a lot of offenses so nick chubb uh baker mayfield odell i think are all yellow lights i i, I don't know how to feel about landry after last week uh antonio calloway's coming back i don't think you can really trust him this week um, so those are the only three uh, of the Browns that I would be willing to play this week, uh, uh, Chubb, Baker, and Odell. I think Breda and Coleman are uh, yellow lights as well. The The 49ers are last or first, however you want to look at it, in terms of run-to-pass ratio. So they run the ball the, the most uh, at 57% of the time. Yes, more than Minnesota after last week. So – I think there'll be plenty of options or plenty of opportunities for both Breda and Tevin Coleman, Tevin Coleman coming back to uh, get fantasy points. But because that is going to be a split backfield, I think you need to temper expectations. Of course, uh, Cleveland hasn't been fantastic against the run. Um, they haven't been bad. They just haven't been fantastic. They ranked 19th in DVOA against the run. Um, they are giving up the, Oh, vamping, vamping, vamping. The 10th fewest fantasy points to running backs, but when you're running that much, I don't think you can really sit those guys because I think both are going to get double-digit touches this week, so both are startable. You're just not going to get that high upside of either one if one or the other was out. And then my red lights are, are the uh, – San Francisco passing game. I just – I hate Jimmy G with a burning passion. He had a a decent game last week, I suppose, um, but he's just not a good quarterback. And the uh, – I, I don't – James, maybe you can 
weigh in on this a little bit. I don't know what's going on necessarily with those cornerbacks. I know both Ward and Greedy Williams were out last week, um, which made me like Lamar Jackson and, and the wide receivers, but they actually got shut down um, last week. So maybe you can weigh in on those cornerback injuries. Or maybe Ethan can. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I could tell you this much. I know Greedy uh, Greedy Williams is still not practicing um, as of today. Um, he's still dealing with a hamstring. Um, and same thing with Ward. Uh, I know Ward missed practice today too. It sounds like he's a little bit closer than Greedy Williams is, but both of them not practicing on Thursday, and that's when we're recording here, um, is alarming. So it, it may be another week without them. However, I will say I, I think they've done a pretty good, pretty admirable job without their top two corners. No, no, I yeah, I agree. The only time that they actually got beat up was against the Rams. They gave up 102 yards and two touchdowns to Cooper Cup, 112 yards to Brandon Cooks. Other than that, they've pretty well shut down wide receivers. Um, obviously, I don't think you can sit George Kittle. So George, I'll say that George Kittle is the yellow light here for them. So, I mean, you're going to be playing George Kittle. He's a yellow light. Everybody else on that passing offense, I am just not touching because it's Jimmy G and uh, young, inexperienced wide receivers, and they run the ball too much to for me to play any of those pass catchers or Jimmy G this week. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. I think everything you say is is right on, man. I, uh, I, I'm with you on that. I definitely think that you know a lot of the yellow lights are bigger names that you're probably going to start just because it, you know it's tough to see. Um, you know, teams that have, you know, two better quarterbacks than Baker or, you know, a few better running backs than Chubb or Odell Beckham, you know, OBJ drafted those guys highly. Um, really interesting to see, it, it, like you mentioned, kind of the running back uh, situation over in San Francisco. San Francisco, like you, you like you said, I mean, you nailed it. They run the ball an awful lot more than any other team, uh, you know, uh, percentage wise. Uh, they run the ball more than any other team in the NFL. So Coleman coming back is going to be interesting seeing what, how they're going to use Coleman, how they're going to use Breda, um, how they're going to use even Jeff Wilson, who seems uh, awkwardly seemed like the goal line back um, the last couple of weeks. He was getting the touchdowns at least. Um, it looked like he was getting the carries inside the 20, and I, I just didn't envision that role for him. So will be interesting to see how those backs are used for me. That's something I really want to see in this uh, in this game, how the 49ers use those backs and, uh, and the rotation for those guys. So, yeah, uh, really interesting. Awesome job, Snoppy, breaking these down. Do you have anything else before we uh, before we let the people go here? Um, no. Awesome. Well, go Cardinals, huh? Yes. Oh, yeah, that's right. Cardinals won tonight, so that made my day a lot better. I'm still sick, but the Cardinals won. And I get to go watch uh, watch them at 3 o'clock on Sunday. So I'm awesome. pretty excited. Awesome, man. Yeah, have fun. The St. Louis Cardinals beating, uh, beating the Braves. They're up one game to nothing as of right now, so – have fun on Sunday, Stomp. Thanks for fighting through the the, uh, the sickness and, uh, and joining us. We appreciate it, and uh, we're going to let everybody go on that. Thank you so much to all the listeners, and we will talk to you next time. Stay sexy and super flexy.